You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. something special about waiting on the Lord and His promises to come. And there is great reward when waiting upon the Lord. After Jesus' resurrection, when He saw the disciples for the last time, right before He was taken up into heaven, right before He ascended into heaven, what did He tell the apostles? What did He tell the disciples? Wait for what? Promise of the Father. Wait for the promise of the Father, which was the Holy Spirit. Sometimes God promises take time. They waited for 50 some odd days. Are you good at waiting? This may be one of the most challenging aspects of the Christian life. As Pastor Dave will point out in today's message, as you wait on God, you'll have lots of potential to grow in your faith or to drift away. Will you trust God even when He seems distant and His promises remain unfulfilled? And here's Pastor Dave in the book of Acts chapter 28 as he begins his message, The Promises of God. You are We're going to jump back into Acts 28, and we're going to be looking at verses 11 through 16. So if you want to open your swords to Acts 28, the last chapter in the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, we've been having a really cool time going through there. We're going to be in these verses today, 11 through 16, so if you will turn there. I'm going to read aloud if you want to follow along silently. Beginning in Acts 28, verse 11. After three months, we sailed in an Alexandrian ship whose figurehead was the twin brothers, which had wintered at the island. And landing at Syracuse, we stayed three days. From there, we circled round and reached Regium. And after one day, the south wind blew, and the next day, we came to Putiole where we found brethren and were invited to stay with them seven days. And so we went towards Rome. And from there, when the brethren heard about us, they came to meet us as far as the Appi Forum and three inns. When Paul saw them, he thanked God and took courage. Now when we had came to Rome, the centurion delivered the prisoners to the captain of the guard, but Paul was permitted to dwell by himself with the soldier who guarded him. So I'm going to start out with a question today. What is a promise? What is a promise? Now, I'm sure that many of you have made promises. I've made promises. And I'm sure that many of you had had promises made to you. I'm sure you can say that. I mean, we're accustomed to promises being made and unfortunately being broken in our lives. We're all probably used to it. And if we were real... If we were real with one another, we could probably say that there have been times in our lives where we might have actually broken a promise. There might have been times in our lives when we've broken a promise. Anybody who's lived for a number of years. There are many reasons why we break promises. Many reasons why promises are broken. For example, some of them are, we're just negligent. There might be circumstances beyond our control. Or we might even forget, and yes, 
Sometimes people even change their mind and therefore promises get broken and things happen. A promise, according to Webster's 1828 dictionary, is a declaration and it can be either written or verbal and it's made by one person to another. And this declaration binds the person who makes it by either honor, conscience, or the law, and it binds them to to a certain act which is specified in the promise. The important thing that I think about the promise is that a promise is a declaration which gives the person to whom the promise is given the right to expect or to claim the forbearance of that act. So what did I just say? A promise becomes binding to a person who makes it. If you make a promise, it becomes binding to you. And you're then going to have to, by law or by conscience or by honor, abide by the promise that you made. But it also gives those of you who the promise has been made to the right to expect that that promise would be fulfilled. I think that's interesting. In other words, if I promise you something, I'm bound by my conscience. I might even be bound by law to fulfill that promise. And if I don't fulfill that promise, if I don't deliver that promise, you might think that my faithfulness is in suspect, that my word or my integrity might be somewhat not valid. This is why when promises are broken, people get hurt feelings. People become angry. They file lawsuits and relationships fall apart when promises are broken. When I make a promise and fail to deliver, as I said, your expectations are shattered and my faithfulness becomes in question. So the promise, in my opinion, the promise is not so much contingent on what is promised as much as the integrity of the faithfulness of the person who promised it. Does that make sense? The promise doesn't really matter what I say I'm going to do. My integrity and my faithfulness to carry out that promise is really what matters here. So for the next couple of minutes, let's consider the promises of God. The promises of God. You know, throughout scriptures, we read promise after promise after promises. Now, these promises are made to many, many different individuals. There are individual promises in scripture. There are also group promises in scriptures. There's promises to the nation Israel, and there's promises to us who are Christians as well. Sometimes they might look the same, but they're different in many, many ways. There are promises that have conditions attached. In other words, if you do this, God says, I'll do this. And one of the most famous ones is Second Chronicles 7.14. If my people who are called by my name, etc., etc., And at the end it says, then I will heal their land. If they do this, I'll do that. That's a conditional promise. But there are also unconditional promises in the Bible. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's a promise that we have knowing that he never changes. That's a promise of God. One article I was reading declared that there was actually 3,573 promises made in the Bible. I lost track at three. I don't count very well, so I wasn't going to go through the whole Bible and start counting all the promises, but what I have noticed, what I have noticed in studying the Word of God is that no matter what circumstance you're facing today, 
no matter what trial you may be going through, no matter what is happening in your life, you can almost count that there is a promise in the Bible that deals with that. And I think that's pretty cool. I think that's wonderful. The Lord will speak directly to that circumstance. Because if you take the same definition in Webster's 1828, it talks about the promises of God, and it says this, quote, the promise of God is the declaration or assurance which God has given in his word of bestowing blessings on his people. When I began studying for today's message, as I looked at the scriptures, I saw a narrative. That's what I saw. I saw a narrative, basically six verses of a narrative. This happened, this happened, and this happened. And I'm thinking, what do I do? But I began to think about the promises of God and how through these scriptures we can make some conclusions about God's promises in our lives. And I got involved in this and I started reading and I started coming up with these conclusions from these scriptures that we can make about God's promises and I want to share them with you today. And I have come up with six of them. I've come up with six promises or six conclusions that we can make about God's promises. The first thing I see is that God's promises seem to take time. God's promises seem to take time. And I got that from verses 11 through 13. After three months, we sailed in an Alexandrian ship whose figurehead was the twin brothers, which had wintered at the island. And landing at Syracuse, we stayed three days. From there, we circled round and reached Regium. After one day, the south wind blew, and the next day we came to Puteoli. Puteoli being a famous Irish port, right? Another three months has come and gone. Another three months has come and gone, and Paul is still far from his destination, which is the city of Rome. We need to clarify a couple things in these passages before we go further. We need to have a little history lesson and a little geography lesson. Do you know who the twin brothers were? They are Castor and Pollux. In Greek mythology, these were Zeus's sons, and they were veered by men as the protector of men. And many, many, many ships had them on the front of their bow as they sailed for the protection of the ship. Syracuse was a famous city in ancient world, and at the time, it was the capital of Sicily. So you get an idea of where they are now. They're at Sicily. And Puteole is not an Irish port, but it's the port of Naples. Puteole is the port of Naples. So you can see where they are. So when they land at Naples, they're some 180 miles from the city of Rome. So Paul is finally in Italy, and he's on his way to Rome. He's on the last leg of his voyage. This trip was promised to him back in Acts 23, verse 11, and we read it in Acts 23, verse 11. This is what we read. But the following night, the Lord stood by him and said, Be of good cheer, Paul, for as you have testified for me in Jerusalem, so you must also bear witness at Rome. This is when this was promised. But a lot of time has transpired since then. Paul didn't just all of a sudden go to Rome. A lot of things have happened, and we've studied. We've studied all the things that happened. Scriptures tell us that after the promise that the Lord made to Paul, Paul was then taken by soldiers to Caesarea. And he met Felix, the governor. 
And he came before Felix the governor, but Felix didn't make a decision about Paul because he couldn't find anything to charge him with. He knew that he was innocent of the charges. And then it says that Felix kept him bound in Caesarea for two years. You can read that in Acts 24, 27. After Felix came a man named Festus. And Festus talked with Paul also. And then Festus brought Paul, if you remember, before him. And Paul said, I appeal to Caesar. Well, that sealed it. Since Paul was a Roman citizen and every Roman citizen had the right to appeal to Caesar, when Paul said, I appeal to Caesar, he was going to Caesar. Make no mistake about it. It was a right of a Roman citizen. But before he went to Caesar, remember, Festus brought him before another king, King Agrippa and his wife Bernice. A lot of time has transpired, and we really don't know. It doesn't really say how much time, but they believe it to be almost three years. And then they board this vessel, which is heading towards Rome. It's a wheat ship carrying wheat, Egyptian wheat. You can find that in Acts 27, 1 to 8. It says they were on there many days. They dock in a port that's not suitable for winter. And more time is spent, Acts 27, 9. And they decide to go on. Then you remember the big storm, the nor'easter, that they got involved in, this great big storm. The storm lasted for at least 14 days. But the Lord, in accordance with keeping his promise, saved Paul and everybody aboard the ship. The Lord saved them out of the problems. The ship eventually runs aground on the island of Malta, the island of refuge. We don't know how much time they spent at sea. It must have been a lengthy voyage, but it ended in disaster, and it ended in shipwreck. But all to the glory of God, because everybody on board was saved. So as we see in opening verse today, they spent three months on the island of Malta. Paul continually ministered on the island of Malta. He was healing those that were sick. He was sharing the gospel message. And this was what Paul did. Paul didn't let grass grow under his feet. Paul constantly ministered to those that needed ministering too. Paul didn't sit around and say, well, God made the promise. I'm going to wait until it happens. This was not like Paul. This is what Paul didn't do. If God has given you a promise, you need to keep moving until that promise. And we talked at great length, we have a promise from God. We have a promise from Jesus Christ. He said, I'm going to come back. I'm coming back, and I'm coming back. What do we do? Do we sit around and wait? No. We occupy until we come. We occupy until we come. We share the good news of the gospel. We try to draw other people into the kingdom and show them what is going on. We have an attitude knowing that Christ is coming to take us home. We have his promise on it, and that's what he said. Sometimes God's promises take time. Sometimes God's promises take time. And I think back in the Old Testament, Abraham was told by the Lord that his descendants were going to be strangers in a foreign land and they were going to have to be there 400 years before they would be delivered. I would say that's a considerable amount of time. Then after they were delivered, they wandered in the desert for 40 years before they reached the land of promise. Before they reached God's promise. Now, they wandered because of unbelief, but nevertheless, they wandered for 40 years, but it was all part of God's plan. David, David, the greatest king Israel ever seen, was anointed to be king by Samuel at an extremely young age and didn't occupy the throne until some 15 to 20 years later. And beginning in Genesis 3, verse 15, after the fall, During the curse, a Messiah is predicted. A Messiah is prophesied. A Messiah that would come and bruise the head of the serpent. 
and take care of the serpent. Messiah would come and reconcile man back to God after Adam's fall. We read in Matthew that the Messiah was born, but it was 4,000 years later. God's promises take time. God has given you a promise. It takes time. We're to wait upon the promises of God with steadfastness, with faithfulness. We're going to get to that in a minute. There's some great scriptures about waiting on the promises of God. In Psalm 27, it says in Psalm 27, 14. Psalm 27, 14. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Waiting on the Lord strengthens you. Waiting on the Lord encourages you because you see him in everything. That beautiful verse in Isaiah 40, verse 31. You know it. You probably have it on your refrigerator. But those who wait on the Lord, what happens to them? They renew their strength. They mount up with wings of eagle. They run and they're not weary. They walk and they don't faint. There's something special about waiting on the Lord and his promises to come. And there is great reward when waiting upon the Lord. After Jesus' resurrection, when he saw the disciples for the last time, right before he was taken up into heaven, right before he ascended into heaven, what did he tell the apostles? What did he tell the disciples? Wait for what? promise of the Father. Wait for the promise of the Father, which was the Holy Spirit. Sometimes God promises take time. They waited for 50 some odd days. They waited for 50 some odd days. Actually, it was, I think it was more like 40. We've talked about Jesus said he was returned. Throughout the scriptures, the promises were made, and those that received the promises waited with expectation. And here's the word expectation. Expectation becomes faith. When you expect something to happen, when you're expecting this to happen, you place your faith in what was promised to you. And again, that's why it's so important of the faithfulness of the person who promised this. This expectation becomes our faith. And believing and expecting what was promised, even though we don't see it. And you can read in Hebrews about all those who saw the promise from afar off. They saw the promise from afar off, and they believed in the promise, but they never actually received the promise. You can read about that all through Hebrews, especially the great chapter of faith in Hebrews 11. They saw these promises. They were persuaded of the truth of the promises, and they embraced and held on to the promises, and they made their profession and confession of faith according to these promises. Sometimes God's promises take time. I've shared with you my own testimony how God called me into the pastoral in 1993, but didn't make me a pastor until 2010, some 17 years later. It was a promise that God had given me personally. Secondly, sometimes when God's promises come, they don't look like what you expect. You ever notice that? Sometimes when God's promise happen, they don't quite look like what you expect them to happen because when God makes you a promise, you have it all figured out in your mind what that bad boy's going to look like. You know exactly what that promise is going to be. You know how it's going to be achieved, and you know how you're going to attain that. And then when it comes... It's completely different than what you had thought. It's completely different than what you thought about it would be. Sometimes God's promises, when they come, they don't look like what we expect. I mean, after all, Paul knew he was going to Rome. Paul knew he was going to Rome. But he left the how to God. And this is something that we really need to glean from. When God gives you a promise, when we read a promise from the Bible, we glean from the promise, we believe the promise, but we let the how belong to God. How that promise is going to take place, we let it belong to God. 
How did Paul think he was going to be going to Rome? They believe it was about two to three years even before this. Paul wrote a letter to the Roman church. He had no idea how it was received. Did Paul expect that he would be received as a hero? Did Paul expect that they would hear that the great preacher, teacher, evangelist Paul, the apostle, was coming? We don't know, but probably not knowing Paul. But how did Paul go to Rome? In chains. He went in chains as a prisoner of the state. Not something you would think fitting for an apostle. I mean, we expect Red Glory to bring his crusade to town, and I'm sure he doesn't come in chains. Paul came to Rome in chains, chained to a Roman soldier. Look at verse 16. Now when we came to Rome, the centurion delivered the prisoners to the captain of the guard, but Paul was permitted to dwell by himself with the soldier who guarded him. Maybe not the way Paul thought he would enter Rome, but he's in Rome nevertheless, chained to a guard. They believed there were four-hour shifts. Paul constantly changed guards four hours. They changed shifts, and they were chained to Paul, even though he was by himself and had his own room. In fact, many believe that in the epistles, when Paul says, the house of Caesar greets you, he's talking about many of these soldiers who were chained to him for these hours on an end. I can imagine they fought with each other. You take your turn. No, you take your turn. I don't want to listen to that guy again. I would imagine all Paul did talk to these guys. I mean, after all, talk about a captive audience. Who was the prisoner? Think about it. So promises come in different forms in different ways. Everyone in here has someone they want to see saved. Everyone in here has someone they want to see come to the Lord. And every party in here probably has an idea of how that person should come to the Lord. Erase it, because that's not the way God's going to do it. It's going to come completely different than what you think. Completely different, but we all have our own ideas. In the Bible, Jesus the Messiah was prophesied some 300 times. He was prophesied some 300 times, but yet he was born in a poor city of Bethlehem, which was prophesied, in a stable to a poor family. But the religious leaders didn't think the Messiah should come that way. They erred because they expected the Messiah to come in a different form. See, sometimes when God answers promises, he answers them in his way. See, God's promises take time. God's promises come in different forms than when we expect. And then thirdly, I notice that God's promises need to be shared. We need to share God's promises with others. Look at verse 14. Where we found brethren and were invited to stay with them seven days, and so we went forward to Rome. They found brethren. Everywhere Paul went, he shared the promises of God. Everywhere he went, he shared with brothers and sisters that he met. Brethren. In Acts 13, 23, it says, From this man's seed, according to the promise, God raised up for Israel a Savior, Jesus Christ. In Acts 13, 32, And we declare to you glad tidings, that promise which was made to the fathers, Acts 26, 6. And now I stand and am judged for the hope of the promise made by God our fathers. Paul constantly talked about the promise of God, Jesus Christ, fulfilling the promise of the Messiah. Brethren, everywhere he met, he met brethren. You are The stories you've been hearing about Peter, Paul, Stephen, and the many other followers of Jesus are meant to inspire you and encourage you. These brave people lived long ago and had the privilege of seeing the gospel message spread from its point of origin, Jesus himself. 
Their testimony and diligence in spreading the good news of hope and new life changed hearts and saved countless people, and continues on even today through the writings and Acts and the rest of the New Testament. However, the lives you were studying weren't without trial. Each disciple of Jesus faced persecution in some form, yet it never swayed them to abandon their faith. What difficulties are you facing for Jesus now? Don't lose heart. Remember that you're sharing the truth and that the truth can set people free. You have the Savior of the world on your side, and He will stand with you through every trial and triumph. We're so glad you joined us for today's edition of Assure Hope as we continue to study the book of Acts with Pastor Dave Shank. If you'd like to listen to more teachings, we invite you to visit our website, assurehoperadio.com. Feel free to download and share Pastor Dave's teachings or subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Are you in the Cape May area? If so, we want to meet you. Come join us this Sunday at 10 a.m. at Calvary Chapel, Cape May to learn more from the Word, sing praises to your Lord, and fellowship with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Find out more at assurehoperadio.com. Thanks for joining us today on Assure Hope. Rescued.